Welcome to another Scottish Greens podcast. I'm Lorna Slater, co-leader of the Scottish Green Party. And I'm Peter Ryan, a member of the Scottish Green Party, um, who been spent a lot of time working in, in IT, in financial services. This podcast is one of our series of podcasts about building a better future for Scotland. It's where we talk about what the future of Scotland can be, how creating a vision for a better Scotland means that we can then work together towards it. And today we're going to talk with Peter about currency issues. So Peter, it's been said that currency is the sort of number one issue around which um, we're going to be discussing things coming up to the next independence referendum, that it's going to be a key issue here. Can you give me an overview of your perspective on that, please? Um, I think currency is going to be a key issue just because it has become a key issue. You know, uh, going back to the last referendum, it was a question that wasn't properly answered and then answered in a way of saying there will be a sterling currency union, which was then rejected by the UK. Personally, you know, the the ability to in, install a new currency is, is quite a, really a technical exercise. It, it is something that, that, that countries do all the time. Most European countries have changed their currency in, in the last um, 20, 30 years. And, and and countries are still doing it. You know, Croatia and Bulgaria are adopting the euro. So I think we should really look at it in terms of what country, what country we want to have. And we need to have the currency that, that supports that. So, for example, if we want a, a, a country with a universal basic income, as, as I do, we need to have a currency that allows us to support that, if we if we have want to have a country that um, protects its population from economic shocks, from from the banks or or from any other any other eco economic um, impact, then then we need to have a currency that gives us that resilience. And at the moment, there is a proposal from the Growth Commission to retain sterling for an extended period. However, coronavirus has really made that idea out, um, out of date in that it's clear that if, if Scotland had been independent and was using sterling, it would not have the monetary levers it it, to allow itself to protect its population during the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, for example, the, the Growth Commission says it would not be able to do quantitative easing, so it would not be able to create the money to support you know, staff being furloughed. So based on what's in the, the, the Growth Commission, adopting sterling after independence would not give us the resilient economy we need to allow Scotland to thrive. So is it would it be correct for me to then summarize that um, you're you feel that Scotland needs its own central bank so that it can have full control of all the economic levers in order to avoid a sort of half an imposed austerity because of the currency choice? Um, well, 
on on all the different proposals going, Scotland would have its own central bank. So the the Growth Commission does lay out having a central bank within it. Um, in in addition, even countries that in the eurozone, countries like Ireland, Germany, and so on, have their own central banks. So Scotland would always have a central bank because running a currency isn't the only thing a central bank does. Um, but what we need to do is to have the ability to eat, to generate currency when we need it and and to to use a currency that that works for us now it can be you know there are effectively two ways of doing this one is is to be part of a currency union like the US dollar or the euro or the other one is to have your own national currency and so you can look after your own um your own economy and you can you can amend interest rates you can create money if you need to you can um adjust the you know, the exchange rate would then adjust to, to be a, something that that suits the the economic well-being of your country and so that's why you know i believe and and it's scottish greens policy to to have an independent um scottish currency after independence and you were talking uh, earlier, you touched on that you feel that much of the approach to the discussion on currency has been from the wrong direction. It's been sort of from the technical side rather than from the sort of what do we need money for the human side. Can you talk to me a bit more about that? Yeah, because I mean, you have conversations about, you know, Scotland wouldn't have its own, have sufficient foreign currency reserves. And... You know, and people will say this is a reason you can't have your own, you know, Scotland can't have its own own currency. How many people know what the UK's foreign currency reserves are? How many people know how they were built up? Um, one of the things to 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 take into account is that you know, the UK has been paying six billion a year to build up its foreign currency reserves over the last decade 60 billion pounds how many hospitals could that build how many how many um schools could that build this you know it's a technical debate that people don't don't think about but suddenly people apply it to the scottish currency to say we can't have independence because we couldn't have sufficient foreign currency reserves and that's not true. There are ways of, of, of getting the foreign currency reserves, particularly when setting up your banking system. But, you know, we shouldn't be having a debate at that end. It should be, you know, how do, you know, what, how do people use currency on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, how do they go to shops? How do we, we pay our benefits out to people? For older people, how, you know, how do we support them in a world of technical change and so it's it's making uh, currency should be about financial inclusion it shouldn't be about a, a series of sort of middle-aged white men sitting in in an office somewhere making um you know coming up with big economic theories and saying this is what we need to do because that way i i, I retain 
my my nice house in the Edinburgh Newtown. You know, it it should be about how do how do we 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 ensure that everyone has the same chances in life. So you mentioned the Growth Commission, and uh, I think it's your opinion that the Growth Commission has got a few things wrong and doesn't really understand the financial sector and banking. Well, what my my view on the Growth Commission is that they. The Growth Commission report is about three hundred and fifty pages long. It's it's very repetitive. If anyone wants to read it, you you find yourself thinking, "I've read this before, twenty pages ago, and things." Um, now, the actual bit that everyone talks about, the currency bit, is a very small section, section C, right at the end, and it's almost like an afterthought. And the the basis is on on there is that um, that the um, sterling should continue to be used for, and for a number of reasons. Things like um, that the ability to, to borrow would be the same in Scotland as the UK. The, the same interest rates would, be, would, would stay because they're using the same currency. This isn't true. That's not how banks price loans. Banks price loans based on risk. And if you're in two different countries... The regulations will be different, the the markets will be different, and therefore it will not be the same. You know, it may be better or it may be worse, but it will not be the same. They say things like, um, you won't need to change your bank account. Again, that's not true because any payment system, any movement of money needs to know what country um, that money will end up in for sanctions checking for terrorism laws, for anti-money laundering, and so on. So, it, it, you know, they, they, there's this view that if they carry on with sterling, everything will stay the same. And it's just not true, because independence makes that not true. So if we then need to change something, how do we change things to make things better to, for people, rather than, you know, just carry on the same? The point of independence is to make people's lives better. It's not. Uh, it it shouldn't be about um, how, you know the, what's best for the banking industry. It's what's best for for the mother with two children, getting the school uniform, getting them fed, and so on. That's where our focus should be, not on on things like foreign currency reserves. And what does a currency look like? So what does a currency that prioritizes ordinary everyday transactions look like? How is it different from keeping the sterling? Um, well, what I would do is to say, okay, what we need to do is, um, I, I believe we should, even, we should have a universal basic income. Now, so to, to have that, we need to be able to get money to everyone who, who qualifies for the universal basic income. Um, at the moment, with universal credit, everyone is forced to have a bank account. You're forced to have a bank account, you're forced to be part of the banking sector. Banks can then um, monetize your account to, to earn money from you. Um, and the idea of banks is that they will try and get you in debt, get you overdrawn, get you to take out loans and, and so on. And... Because that's how they make Where, their money. They are profit. They are for profit, and that's how they make your money by trying to get you into yeah. debt. Mm. What we could do is, as an alternative is, is set up a a 
something like a central bank currency. So instead of you going to RBS or Bank of Scotland, um, there is a, a, a basic system of banking it, that everyone can be part of. And that is set up to deliver a universal basic income to everyone in Scotland. And we all, we're all part of the same basic banking system. If you want to mortgage, you go to commercial bank. If you want to do savings, you can invest those with the credit union. But we have a basic system that everyone can use. And that then becomes a financial inclusion exercise because you can learn about it in schools. You can, you, know, you can learn about it in, in adult education. You bring everyone together and you then democratize money by, by saying, this is everyone has sufficient. And that's what your currency looks like is to say, we have a payment system to allow everyone to use the basic income as you know, without cost to them to buy food, to buy clothes and so on. Rather than at the moment you have a currency and everyone wants to wants to take a little bit of um, profit at each step. So if I go and pay for something in my local supermarket, if I pay for it by debit card, there's there's the interchange fee that that, that um, the bank takes that the and um, the 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 retailer doesn't get, and it's all of those things that that are sucking money out of local economies and and not giving us the life that, that we deserve. That's a really interesting way of looking at banking. I've never really thought about it that way, that it's, it's sort of extracting a tax from us because we have to use the banking system. We don't have a choice from that, but it's not a tax that's controlled democratically. It's a tax that's controlled by a corporation. They decide how much they will levy and then they decide how they will invest that money. Yeah, and that's one of the one of the things about universal credit is it's forcing people to use that system, and it's forcing you know so you then have to take out a bank account, and you you have to you know then they people want banks want to move to a cashless society, so they they extract even more money, um and you uh, you know if you go to a country like Sweden where there is very little cash used one of the big debates going on there is how then do you do you do you want this to be that yeah how is this the the economic system that you want or do we have something more democratic where where currency is just as a way of used to to move money around and, and to get the things you need rather than a series of profit centers for financial services that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Uh, thank you for explaining that. Um, so it sounds like from what you said earlier that you you said about uh, most European countries have changed their currency in the last 20 to 30 years. Yes. It sounds like that's quite a well-trodden path. Um, in terms of our experience of that as people in Scotland, you know, shopping, getting our wages, paying our taxes, what what do you think that would look like if we were to transition to an independent currency? Um, ideally, people wouldn't really notice. Yeah, the perfect scenario is is you know the IT system doesn't changes and you can you on a day to day basis you can carry on. Um, one of the things I'm quite nervous about the debate is 
in some ways the debate is getting quite toxic um, in that people are saying, you know, it's impossible, it will take 20 years, Scotland, Scotland's too small, too, you know, too poor. Um, on the other side, people were saying it will take a year, it's the simplest thing in the world, we can just convert all our loans and, and accounts tomorrow and, and there we go. And what we really want to get to um, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a consensus and a plan that says this is the step-by-step -step approach we need to take and then do it step-by-step, -step, bringing people along with us. I mean, you know, while the SNP um, are looking at, at keeping sterling for, for a length of time, their, their membership has voted to adopt the Scottish currency as soon as possible. Now, the, the adoption of that is, is a well-worn path. You, know, you change computer systems. Most computer systems now are you know, bank computer systems are multi-currency systems, so switching from one currency to another, or you can have multi-currency accounts. So that part isn't that difficult, it's just a step-by-step -step part. You know, things like changing cash, what I would like to do is, is again, it goes back to democratising money, is that let's have a, a, have a competition open to everyone in Scotland, to say what's the new cash going to look like? What yeah? You know, what does Scotland mean to me? And you can you can have it so that some of the the smaller denomination coins are, are, are is a children's competition. You can you can open it up to to charities and and things like that to do art therapy classes, you know. And there is there is so much we could be doing rather than leaving it just to, to banks and saying, well, it's too complex. How can how can we get involved? Now, as, as, as you mentioned, many countries have, have gone down this path. We know it takes about two and a half to three years to adopt new physical currency notes and coins and so on. Um, that, that, that happens all the time. So we've got the, a, a timeline there. We know that, um, that we would have a one for one between the pound sterling and the, the new Scottish currency during a transition period. You know, you know that is, is fairly standard. That's how you, you, a country would adopt the euro. And, you know, but it's a two-year period for them. I've, I've always suggested a three-year period because there's some new complexities. There are some things around setting up a new payment system. However, the UK is currently changing its payment system. So banks are already upgrading their their IT system for that. So it is a path that's well known. Um, there are things that we need to be, be careful about. You know, you know, every loan is a, is a legal agreement. So, and it's a legal agreement in a currency. So we can't just change the, the currency. There needs to be an agreement between the two sides to say this, the loan is now going to be in the, in the new currency. Or kept They're, in the old one, whichever is agreed. Or kept in the yeah. old one, yeah. But then because, you'd be paying a, a fee every time to change your money. Yeah, you bet, then you get a foreign exchange fee. But if if a bank, if a, it was a business loan and the business was operating across border, they may well have a sterling account and a Scottish currency account. As happens in Northern Ireland, lots of businesses there have a sterling account and a euro account. But, because but that must be true possible. in the UK. My business has both sterling and euros because we get money 
from the European Commission yeah. through the Horizon 2020. Yeah. So I think it's normal for companies to have different accounts and different currencies. Yes, I mean, yeah, and and there's actually you know banks now offer multi-currency accounts. So you you have a one account, so you're only paying fees on one account, but you have multi-currency um, payments beneath it, and you're not paying the fees on those because it effectively has sub accounts, and so. All of that is is there. It, it's it's understood. You know, um, and in the Nordics at the moment, they're introducing a new payment system, which is a cross currency instant payment system. You know, you pay for something in Denmark with your from your Swedish account, and the Swedish krona, Danish krona thing is just worked out. So, it, it you know it, we don't need to make it more complex than than it it is. You know, but. Listening to the two sides, I do worry that we have the unionists are saying it's impossible, the nationalists saying it's easy, it's just going to be a year, and in the middle there'll be people like me running an IT project, which there will be so much um, pressure on the, the individuals in that project, and we need to, you know, again, think about people and think about the people involved. So what... Um... What could we be doing now before an independence referendum? What what should we be doing now to prepare for this? Well, um, I I looked at the the, the program for government um, came out this week, um, and I would really like to see a a Scottish payment system starting now. Now, legally we can do it, um, and what that payment system would be is say like an app on the phone. That allows um, you to connect to your bank account and initiate payments. And if you had a Scottish payment app, you could issue QR codes, as, as is done in China in, and many other countries, where you just scan the QR code at the shop and it initiates a payment. That payment is, is received by the, the bank account of, of the shopkeeper and that triggers on their phone the payment is made. You can do this in the market. You don't need the, the big infrastructure of a point-of-sale machine, um, the, the card reader. What that would do is that would allow us to, to start moving money. We could ha- And it would give us so much economic data so we could say where people are spending money, how much they're spending money, what's the change in that. And it... The, the Scottish government, if they introduced it, they could, any taxes they receive, they could do it by, instead of doing it through a card payment where the card provider, Visa, MasterCard, whoever, takes their own cut and, and takes money from it, they, they um, we, it, it would be possible to do it through a, a bank transfer. Now, interestingly, the HMRC in the UK have just introduced a introduced a, a project to do just this to instead of you know to have their own you know so you do pay your taxes by credit transfer rather than by by credit card we could do the same in scotland and you could have a glasgow payment system you could have a edinburgh payment system you could you know a highland payment system you could get the data to see how you, the economy was being impacted at any time. So suddenly you could then move forward with real Scottish economic data 
rather than what Jers does, which just says, well, we reckon Scotland's bit is, is this, and yeah, we'll come up with some figure which may sort of be accurate. You, know, you, you start um, getting people used to the idea of using a Scottish payment system, and then when you come through independence and, and start introducing a currency, people don't then need to suddenly start paying in a different way. You could spend the time doing that. And not only would that save um, the government money, it would save the Scottish economy money. It would be some, you know, so it'd be good to do anyway. It would be something we can start doing now rather than trying to, to have an independence vote, pass a, a law on, on currency, and then try and do everything in 18 months. That's a, such a really interesting idea. And I mean, we're Scottish Greens. Um, obviously, we're probably going to be a smaller partner uh, in Holyrood. I think it's unlikely we will, we will win a Holyrood majority next year, although we'll give it a bash. Um, so if it's not, we're not necessarily on our own going to be making Holyrood policy, although we, of course, hope to influence it significantly. How do we use our influence to bring about what, what you've just suggested? Who do we need to talk to? Who, who has the power to do this? Well, what I would, what I would like to do is when, you know, instead of there being a growth commission, which is just a small segment of the SNP, you know, a few economists and a few politicians have a wider group, you know, and, but I think the debate really needs to be is what economy, what sort of society do we want Scotland to be? And then design the currency not design the currency and then hand it over to the people and say, there you go. Yeah, I think the other debate has to happen first. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been really, really interesting. Thank you. And then I